Welcome to a brand spanking new episode of Who Do You Think You Are? An exploration into how our thoughts, beliefs, and feelings create our reality. My name is Lastia Kahoot, and I'm your host. I'm joined by my co-host on this show and in life, Glenn Sheridan. Every episode, we're joined by a special guest who inspires us to consider not only what we think, but how we think, and how that thinking impacts our life experience. It's time to get this conscious conversation started as we ask today's guest, who do you think you are? Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Who Do You Think You Are? My name is Lasia. I am your host. And once again, as always, I'm here with my co-host, Glenn. Good morning. And as always, we have another super amazing, inspirational guest who really makes us consider how our thoughts, feelings, and beliefs create our reality. And so today we have another musician with us, which is so exciting because we've only had one musician on so far, and we look forward to having more. But today we have someone that um, that is going to, it already inspires us to, to really sort of live a better life and to think about how we live our lives. And not only is this person a musician, but she is also someone who I feel like could be a stand-up comedian or is part stand-up comedian. She is so entertaining when she sings, when she tells her stories, when she just talks. And so I'm really looking forward to how the conversation is going to unfold today. So we got this amazing bio and usually I pull little nuggets from the bio and then kind of go from there. But today I am going to read this entire bio because it is going to give you a really good indication of what is about to come. So here we go. This is this is what I got. And and this person's name is already sprinkled through the bio. So I'm just going to say that our guest today is the super amazing, awesome, uber talented Amy Bishop. So here's her bio. Amy's voice is a combination of the smooth of the pavement and the gravel of the road. Amy began her illustrious music career singing around campfires, block parties, and in a church choir. Amy reluctantly shared the limelight with her brothers, Joey and Jimmy. The three of them would try to outsing each other Sunday after Sunday. Their harmony soared higher and higher until only dogs and God could hear them. Knowing that a career in music is no guarantee, Amy decided to practice other useful trades. Little did she know that there was almost no demand for mediocre cartoonists who can ride a unicycle. When the bubble finally burst, Amy attended the post-secondary school of karaoke hosting and soon was making headlines all over Southwest Calgary. Before being blessed with children, Amy collaborated with Moby, Open for April Wine, Farmer's Daughter, and Chris Cummings, and her intuitive musical prowess had become the stuff of local legend. Most recently, you may have seen Amy on first season of the television show The Launch, where Amy dazzled Canadians across the country with her beautiful voice and engaging story. Amy has an instinctive ability to craft stories into song and deliver them with the sincerity and passion of a best friend, qualities that make Amy an undeniable Canadian talent. Amy was born a singer and grew into a songwriter through a lifetime of experience. She puts it all together in engaging performances that show off her range and power. An evening with Amy Bishop delivers rollicking Ain't Life Grand Road songs, soulful versions of Love Gone Wrong ballads, and folk-based acoustic numbers that allow her naked vocal beauty to shine through. 
And then just so you know, at the very end of the email that came through, which I thought, did she write this just for me? But no, it's at the bottom of every email. It says, sent using my harvest gold stuck to the wall right beside the avocado green fridge rotary dial phone. No wonder it takes me so long to get back to you. So this is just a little bit about our illustrious guest today. And, and I'm going to add that I first had the opportunity to meet Amy I think it's probably about four years ago now, maybe even five, just shortly after we moved here from Toronto, when I attended a Circle of Love gathering where Amy was one of the uh, featured musicians. And wow, that entire experience, that retreat was such a, a heart opening, consciousness expanding, mind blowing experience. And night after night after night, there was live music with Amy, with Karen Drucker, with Gary Lynn Floyd, and the three of them together, what an incredible, powerhouse of inspiration of fun of enjoyment and of just like cracking open our souls and our hearts so widely it was amazing and i still feel goosebumps and i can still remember and feel being there as i remember that event even almost nearly five years later and we've also had the opportunity to see amy do a couple of shows at the center for spiritual living victoria over the last few years and then did watch her on the launch. Um, Milana and I totally cheered her on and um, and it was just so amazing to see her up there on national television singing her rendition of Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah and um, and then the new song that they gave her to sing sort of in the in the standoff. So there is so much more. Oh yeah and Amy stayed at our house one time. I just remember that. <laughs> So there is so much more to, to this amazing, super talented, incredible, inspirational, expansive being. So without further ado, I introduce Amy Bishop. And Amy, I'm asking you the question of the day. Who do you think you are? Well, unfortunately, after that long bio, we've run out of time. But thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And uh... <laughs> who do I think I am? My goodness. Well, I suppose in my earthly existence, I am a mother. I'm a musician. I am, I am a friend. I am a daughter. I am, you know, a dog lover. Uh, who do I know I am is I know that I am an expression of the divine. My the end. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Shortest episode ever. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, as a as a person experiencing, you know, that expression, I do go through the ups and downs of, a, you know, high energy, low energy. Like, uh, you know, the it's uh, the experience isn't always the most palatable experience, and my experience has been to to. Uh, bring myself back to that knowing, you know, to, I, I, I find myself in, in the moment or in the experience feeling less than thrilled about life and have to bring myself back to the, mm -hmm. to the truth. And so there are so many things that I experience that, uh, and, and I get mired in to life's experiences that aren't necessarily 
what I want to be feeling and want to be experiencing or expressing and have to remind myself, oh yeah, I'm an expression of the divine. I could choose. And so it's, and I, and that's a constant back and forth for me. So here's a question. I, um, I am in a class on Thursday nights called Advanced Consciousness Studies, and I am studying with Dr. James Mellon through the Global Truth Center Los Angeles, which is where I took my practitioner studies. And uh, the Global Truth Center is affiliated with the Emerson Theological Institute. So this class that I'm in, it's the first year that this class is being offered, and it is like beyond beyond sort of thing as far as consciousness studies go and and we're basically immersed in quantum physics almost the entire year so far and and the conversations in that class are so expansive so mind-blowing and a couple of classes ago we actually talked about the word divine and because the word divine appeared in the book that we're reading the quantum revelation by paul levy and what i remember when i first saw the word in there about three quarters of the way through the book was thinking whoa well that's kind of neat i wouldn't have expected to see that word in this you know kind of sciencey book even though he is a practicing tibetan buddhist um, as well that actually he's not a scientist at all he's he's just really 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 into quantum physics and quantum theory and and so this word divine being in there sparked this conversation. And, and for me, one of the biggest things that I have sort of taken away so far from this class is that, that there is that, that reality is what we create in our minds. There's nothing, there's no objective reality out here that we are sort of participating in that, you know, exists without us, that everything that we experience is, is consciousness or this universal energy, or the divine um, spirit, source, love, light, whatever you want to call it, this ongoing creative activity that is that is infinite in scope, and that, that is creative by nature, it is continually filtering through our minds. And, and as we are choosing these waves of infinite possibility from the quantum field, we automatically experience reality but according to the lens that we have, you know, sort of our tendency of thoughts, mm -hmm. if you will, all of those um, uh, beliefs that we have that, that you know, we're, we're holding on to kind of thing. And so when we were talking about this word divine, there were so many people in the class who kind of had this, um, you know, oh, it's antiquated. It has, you know, some like old churchy religious kind of connotation to it. And, and a lot of people were just like, it's, it's old news. That's like, so yesterday kind of thing. That's so last century. Mm -hmm. And, and I know for me that it can depend on the context of how the word is used. And when I read it in the book, I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. But sometimes in conversation, I'm like, oh, divine, that's a little, so so it's interesting that you bring up the word divine and i just wanted to ask you know what does that mean to you when you talk about divine when you talk about truth the just who who you know yourself to be what does that mean for you um to for me divine is uh it's perfection it's all those things that make you feel warm inside mm. you know it's uh it's light and it's just for me it's another word for spirit or for god or for love it's um yeah it's it's so for me it, it is it's 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 the perf it's perfection and and i love that word because uh it does have this 
glow around it. Mm. And so when I connect myself with that word, with, with divine, I, you know, automatically feel a warming in myself. I automatically feel this, right. Okay. That's my stepping off point. Yeah. So, um, so when we're in the world of effects, you know, oh yeah, I step off from divine. Mm-hmm. that's where I go from. It's, it's a place to begin. And that's the place where all things begin is in the divine, in spirit, in God, in love. And for me I, right now, the word divine is something that I feel more connected with than let's say God or spirit, mm-hmm. even though I know they're the same thing. It's mm-hmm. just the word. Yeah. That's the word. It's the stepping off point. Yeah, that's nice. I love how you said that that you feel the warming, that it makes you feel warm. And, and it reminded me of, um, a few podcasts ago, Honey Bunch, when we were talking with Reverend Kirby, and she used the word cozy. And cozy, not in terms of just sort of like being comfortable, as in this is familiar, but but the feeling that I just got when Amy used the word warm, when warming, um, just that it's, 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 I guess, you know, it's the truth, it's the realness, it's the the authenticity of of who who and what I am and just being so immersed in that and almost sort of like bathing in it, that it's just like infusing itself, you know, in a sort of osmosisy, you know, alchemizing way into every fiber of my being and then just like emerging as as, you know, it's pure perfection, like Amy just yeah. said. Ooh, I love that. I love mm-hmm. that. Anyone, do you want to add or riff off any of that? No, I just, I'm, I'm imagining um, what's behind Amy is actually a blank wall. And that's what I'm seeing is actually emanating from her. <laughs> looks pretty amazing. It's not even doing anything. <laughs> well, okay. And describe for the people what your experience of that is, because some people are only listening. It is a Celtic themed wall hanging i believe with a little bit of sort of muted tie-dye-ish um color to the background but it's essentially a black and white print with a five-sided star uh lots of celtic knotwork um it's beautiful mm-hmm. and it's sort of uh specific and general at the same time i love that part it's just there's some birds, I think, in the corner. Yeah, that's definitely Celtic sort of stuff. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, I'm like, I'm digging it. Uh, and it's all coming out of the back of Amy's head. She's, there's nothing actually there. It's so amazing. You got to see this. Don't, don't listen to the podcast. Go and watch it. <laughs> and so that is an actual, like, that's your room. That's an, because it kind of, you look very crisp in front of it. Is it a background or is it, it's know? a, it's a backdrop. It's just a, it's a little, it's oh, a, there, it's she's a, touching it now. A, okay. It's a hanging. It's not so, like a zoom one. Yeah. I, um, it's, it's, there's bookshelves right there. And I put the hanging in front of the bookshelves because I don't have fancy, pretty books. It's mostly board games and other things behind there. And so I needed a space where I could, I do most of my live casts in front of this and, mm-hmm. and when I make videos for different centers, uh, I, I do it in front of this and it just sort of gives me a backdrop that is not necessarily my messy shelves or my kitchen counter. <laughs> board games are good though. Board, what kind of yes. board games do you have going on there? <laughs> oh, cards against star Wars is one, uh, you know, 
<laughs> so it's like a Cards Against Humanity, but Star Wars version. There's lots of, I mean, my, my kids and I love playing board games and, yeah. and uh, we don't play that one together, but uh, yeah, board games and different homework things. And uh, I think there's a mixer back there for cakes and stuff that I use maybe every six months. Wow. You know, so it's a multifunctioning, what I wanted to say was I wanted a spiritual wall hanging and that's what I got. You don't have to know about the mess behind it. <laughs> Is that a spiritual bypass, Amy, of like, you got the hanging, but there's like the mess behind there? No. Oh, that's definitely, definitely a theme uh, in my life at some points. <laughs> Um, Look how pretty it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so you mentioned a few things in there, and and I guess one of the things that I would love to ask is, you have been immersed in the world of music for a long, long time. This mm -hmm. is this is a big part of who and what you are and how you show up in the world. Are there different? And you've also, you've actually, we didn't even talk about, like you've re released a whole bunch of albums. Like you have mm -hmm. how many, like seven, 20? I've released seven <laughs> and I have an eighth one we'll be releasing this year. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. And, and so I'm, I'm thinking there probably has been an arc, you know, over the years of, of how your music, not just skill has progressed, but maybe even the type of music you play or, or, or how your music comes through you or, or like how does how does that even work like is it do you feel yourself to be a conduit do you feel yourself to be sort of an active participant in 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 these you know this musical creativity showing up as you how does that work for you it's a little bit of all of those things um there are times when i will sit down with my guitar and a song will be born and it's just boom there's a song it was a gift i don't know where it came from, uh, you know, like there wasn't, I, that th th it didn't take a lot of work to write mm -hmm. it down. I know that I was the one who wrote it, but, uh, you know, and then there are other times where I'll be sitting with a melody. I've got a melody going on in my head for the last month with mm -hmm. an idea that makes me, that connects me those two. Okay. Here's an idea. And that's that melody. And they're definitely meant to be together. Yeah. And it still hasn't birthed yet. Yeah. It's like, but I, I've never been the type of person that just sort of says, okay, every day at 10 a.m., I'm going to sit with my guitar for an hour and I'm going to write. Mm -hmm. Anytime that I force myself to, you know, like, nope, this is writing time, I, I don't produce. I have to wait for that little itch. I get this itch that something is needing to be expressed. And then I sit with it and I, and I start writing. If I write with another person, then it becomes a therapy session because... Oh you know, generally it'll be like asking questions back and forth and having feelings. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, all of a sudden there's these songs that are, that are written. And there are times when I've written a song, uh, where, um, especially over the years. So let's say 10 years ago when I'd write a song that was heartfelt, I'd write it. And then I think, well, okay, people understand that people will like hearing that, you know, like, I'll, I'll say this and I'll say that because that's what's expected in, in a song. Right. And it's not that I don't feel it, but it's not necessarily being 100% authentically expressing who I am or how, what I'm feeling in the moment. 
And this last few years in my writing, it's been a lot more of, well, I'll never sing that in public. It's far too personal. And then realizing that, okay, if I need to write that song, there are people in the world who need to hear that song. Yes. You know, but I had to write the song with the idea of, I won't be sharing this so I can say whatever I want. Yeah. I can say whatever I want and nobody will ever be able to judge me about it. Nobody's feelings are going to get hurt because I said these things. And then after finishing the song going, wow, if that means so much to me, then people's feelings can get hurt and we can just know that it's okay to express how you're feeling. That's amazing. That, um, what a, what, you know, it just, it sort of makes me think I'm, I'm writing a book as my final project for this class that I'm in. And that's what gets me my, my, my bachelor's degree in advanced consciousness studies and counts as the first year towards ministerial studies. And, and at the beginning, when I first handed in my outline, my proposal, and then my outline for my book, even though the outline is pretty much the same as what it was when I handed it in, the content that is going in there is has really opened up um over the last eight months or however long we've been in class this is a really long class and mm. and it's part of it is kind of what you're talking about you know like the, at the beginning i was thinking well there are these three very personal stories that that i'm going to be writing about which are going to be sort of the foundation one is about fear one is about failure and one is about faith that ultimately leads to uh, forgiveness. And, and it's all about this, this work that I called soul excavation, which is just sort of like digging into and unearthing, you know, all of this, these limiting beliefs, thoughts, stories that keep us feeling stuck um, to ultimately reveal the hidden treasure of the real you that's always there to begin with. And so as I'm writing, and when I did write, when I was in my writing phase, I did every day, it was like half an hour every single day, at least half an hour, yeah. no matter what's coming through, just writing, whether it was a sentence, five pages, something in between. And I didn't read what I wrote the day before. I would just start fresh, you know, just whatever that divine inspiration that would come through. And at first I was like, oh, well, do I talk about this? Because, you know, my mom is going to read this. My sister is going to read this, you know, my family, my friends. And, you know, whose names do I put in there? Whose names do I change? And then as it went deeper and deeper and deeper, I started to realize that, you know, this, this isn't about sort of like, you know, selling books or writing to a specific audience or hitting any kind of numbers or fitting in a box. This is as another minister told me, this is an act of not just love, but of self-love. This is of like really just kind of like writing, talking about what you just said, about writing something that as if no one else is going to read it, to be like mm -hmm. so honest and so open and so, I don't even know what the word is to use it, you know, aside from like, just, you know, honest and authentic mm -hmm. to just allow that to flow through and come out because it wants to, like, it just, it's, it's, mm -hmm. there's this urge, there is this, you know, something that is so compelling, that is so impelling, it has to come out. And so I think that is such a, such a neat way of looking at it, you know, to sort of write or create 
um, so honestly, so authentically, so intimately, you know, in a just sort of not putting any kind of expectations that anyone is ever going mm -hmm. to, you know, to read or see or engage with this in any way. And, and just allowing for all of that to come out and then thinking, yeah, you know, like now yeah. that I have been like true to myself, I, I can, if I want, share it with others. Yeah. Well, it's the concept of dance like nobody's watching, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're in your kitchen by yourself and B-52s come on and you, the love shack and you, you might dance around singing and, and, and you know, singing and, and being loud and expressive and doing silly things. And then if your your friend walks in, oh, <laughs> you might stop. Yeah. Right? It's the same. Uh, express what wants to be expressed. You can edit later. Yeah. You can edit later. Um, but I've always admired people. Like, I listen to a lot of stand-up comedy. And I admire when someone will tell a story about what happened in their life, regardless of whether mom was going to be upset about hearing it mm -hmm. or your partner is going to be upset about hearing it because it's the truth yeah this is what happened and maybe i'm embarrassed about what happened and you're telling the story about me and i'm embarrassed about it but if i'm embarrassed about it then i have not reconciled with that experience mm -hmm. person telling the story maybe they have mm -hmm. and so if i've done something untoward towards somebody else and i haven't made up for it and i haven't like forgiven myself for it mm -hmm. then it'll upset me to hear it Mm -hmm. and that's my problem yeah you still have a right to tell the story because yeah. that's your your story yeah and uh I, I follow this woman on instagram her name is sharon matthews and and she's like you have a story to tell and if that person doesn't want you telling the story you know then maybe their behavior should reflect the story that they want told and it was like oh so if mom gets upset that I wrote this or, or my partner gets upset that I wrote that, then that's not on me. That's their feelings of being upset. Yeah. And I need to be able to express my experience and my growth and my life the way I need to express it. Yeah. And it's, it's quite freeing, but it, I like the idea of sitting and writing something thinking, well, I'll never publish this. Yeah. This is for me. And then if at the end of it, I've realized that, it, it can be for others as well, then that's okay. Otherwise it can stay just being for me. Yeah. You know, the, the, the reason that people create has become for consumption, mm. but that's not necessarily why a person should create. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, as a, as a writer, I write, because I think, oh, that'll be a good song to sing on stage. And this is what I can do with it. And, that, and what a waste it would be if I never shared what I created. But maybe it's okay for an artist to stand in front of a canvas and create something that never gets shared. Just for the simple task of creating it. Yeah, yeah. Because we are all, I mean, we've talked about this before time and time again. We are all creative beings. I mean, it just, we are the act of creativity constantly, mm -hmm. you know, whether it is through and, you know, in an artistic vein, whether it is the words we say, you know, how we relate to others, whatever it is that we're doing or being, it is all creativity in action. And so to stifle that in any way, that's just not being true to who and what we are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I agree. It's uh, and 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 I also agree that we are all, we're, we are here to be creative. We are creative. The fact that we're here is a creative act. Yeah. And uh, and so for the last few years, as I've been writing, it has been more on that. I feel like writing something instead of let me create another song that I can share with people. Yeah. If it ends up being one of those things, extra bonus. But if it's not, I still sat and I still, you know, when I'm creating, and I'm not sure if this is something for all artists, you can tell me as a writer, but when I'm creating something, it's like a meditation. Mm -hmm. It's like everything else in, in my periphery, all these thoughts that are not always welcome or, uh, you know, even other distractions of life, they melt away. And I'm just in the moment with whatever it is I'm creating. And that is like, that's the best meditation ever. I started doing musical meditations at, um, at our center when it's my week as the practitioner. Mm -hmm. And I sit with my guitar and I, and I think for about 15 minutes before the meditation, I don't do anything prior to that for about 15 minutes. And I think, what is it that I need to, what is it that I need today? And then I will start a chord progression and those words will come out and it turns into something. Yeah. And 20 minutes of chanting these words and maybe a little bit of, you know, maybe a little bit of direction in the meditation. And I'm like, holy moly, that's the best meditation I've ever had because I was creating it for me. Yeah. And there maybe there happened to be 70 people peeking in. Yeah. But I created it for me because in that moment I needed clarity about being in the moment or about breathing or, you know, and it's been wonderful to just sit and create something that there's no thought. Everything else is lost. That 20 minutes is gone. And I haven't thought about anything except for those feelings and that, that thought and what I needed to create for myself in the moment, because I know if I need it, then when I express it, it's what other people who are there to, to you know what I mean? Because it yeah. always, it always works that way. It is perfect because it happened. And, you know, just to take the pressure off and, and get your mind out of it and just let that, let that energy flow. And so I know that if, if I need energy of peace, anybody who's tuning in is also in need of that energy. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I love it. It's, it makes me think of resonance. You know, it just like there, there's a certain frequency that a note, you know, is hit at. And if there's something somewhere around in the vicinity, it's close enough, it's going to start to vibrate, you know, at the same frequency. And so just like you said, you know, if it's something, something that is coming up for you, you know, if we really, really look at there is only, you know, this one energy that is going on, this one energetic flow that is always active then how could what is coming up for you not be something that on some level is ready and sort of available to be tapped into or recognized mm -hmm. or revealed or discovered or however you want to um, say it for others. Um, so, and, and whether they're in the same room with you or on the other side of the world, you know, in another galaxy, whatever. Um, but yeah, I, and, and as um, there was a phrase that Rick Tamlin uh, uses, if you want it, it's wanted. So, you know, sort mm. of back to when you're writing your music, um, when, or when you're writing music that is coming through, when you are doing these meditations, um, it, it, it's, you know, kind of like, 
you know, we are all one, we are reflections and reflective of each other. Um, it, it just, yeah, that interconnectivity is, is, is just kind of mind blowing to, to think about. And when you look like you want to say something. I'm I'm uh, I'm getting the sense that Amy wants to play us something soon. Oh. <laughs> Before we go there, <laughs> what what brings to mind here is because I know some of your music, that like the themes that kind of come up for me in your music, generally are themes that I think throughout time in many cultures have been uh, like creating music is for. Uh, devotion and love expressions of love and expressions of devotion right so there's kind of a combining in I, I get a sense that's what's coming from your music there's lots of t like sprinkles of humor and you know there's highs and lows in there but like that's the main kind of those are the two areas that you're um, the needle is kind of going towards and away from, but it, it, it's always in balance kind of thing or, but it doesn't, it doesn't, um, it, well, I guess it doesn't always have to be in balance because it's, it's, if it's devotional, then it, it's more pla placing the attention on the divine in a certain way. Um, and, and love is a bit more personal love, but I know that, that love, that word is, you know, it's whatever you want it to be, but you know, the, the agape sense of like love mm -hmm. of humankind. But, um, do you get that? Like if you're, if you are, um, inspired to create a song, is, is it something that, is it, do, do those sort of themes come up for you or is it just sort of, it, I mean, obviously it is what it is when it, when it writes itself through you, but is this sort of like, this is more of a love song or this is more of a trying to describe the ineffable divine, that kind of thing? Um, I guess they're all kind of love songs, aren't they? You know, it's uh, whether it be agape or romantic or uh, love of a child or um, even love of self, uh, you know, uh, but sometimes I'll write a song because I'm like, I'm, I'm mad right now. I need to write an angry song. And then it turns out about being about love. Mm. You know, like, I think almost every song is is a love song. I, I mean, I've, I'm probably being naive here. I'm sure there's lots of songs that aren't. But um, I think it depends on the eyes you're looking at them through, the ears you're hearing them with, you know, uh, because there's love in there's love in everything. And so I wrote a song called Brand New Day, and the first lines describe my my childhood experience of being sexually abused. And it's a love song to me. You know, when I first wrote it, that's one of the songs I thought this was never getting shared it's mm -hmm. too personal and then i realized like, i'm one of billions who've had that experience and i i need to love myself enough to write this song and be able to love myself enough to sing it and uh and so even if it's not what people would classically believe is a love song i think all songs all songs all music comes from there to some degree 
Um, although I don't know a lot of music from, you know, like darker music, uh, you know, some death metal or whatever. I, I don't know that music well enough to be able to to say if that song, that music is, is, is not of love. But even if you write a song about trains, you probably love trains. <laughs> <laughs> or bacon. Exactly. That's a love song. <laughs> it's a love song. Speaking of bacon, he's over here. He's on this side. And my other dog, Waffles, is over here. They're flanking me right now. Oh, cute. Yes. <laughs> being, I've got the love surrounding me. <laughs> right on. Okay, well, now that you have talked about a song that you wrote, well, plenty of songs that you've written, and Glenn just opened the door, um, <laughs> is there, is it, what, what, what would you like to play for us? Is it that song? Oh. Is it another song? What would you like? Do you want, uh, I could sing that song for you, um, but I'm okay. I could also sing something pretty. Well, there, there could be another opportunity for, uh, you know. All right. Well, this song is a song called Brand New Day. Okay. I wrote it after I was on the launch um, because Nikki Six had, had suggested that I should write something that's more about myself, mm -hmm. that he'd like to hear a song, a, a more true song. And, uh, and so he's like, that's a song you should write, a song about your life and your struggles. Sorry. All right. So I wrote it and then I sent the song off to Nikki Six and he kind of wrote back with some ideas. And so here's a song I co-wrote with Nikki Six of Motley Crue, which is a strange combination, I think. But here we go. a little girl ripped into cause of something no grown man should ever do so I built a wall pound by pound little girl lost lost girl never found shed my skin free myself from all the lies that chain me to this hell shed my skin free myself hey it's a brand new day now the time has come to be really real face the anger i was too afraid to feel take a breath feel the sting let go of the reasons why I'm too fat to be seen. Shed my skin, free myself from all the lies that chained me to this hell. Shed my skin, free myself. Hey, it's a brand new day. Brand new day. Feel my power, then come running straight to me. I am a force like wind and rain. Hey, 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 you'll know my name. You'll know my name. Peel off the mask till I'm blood and bone. Free my demons, free my voice, free my soul. 
Thank you. I, I, I do, as you started singing that and telling the story, I'm like, oh, wait, we have heard this song mm -hmm. at, um, at CSL, but we weren't allowed to share it because it was, it was still under wraps at that point. Right. And I remember <laughs> filming, like, last year, stop filming. <laughs> <laughs> that, I wrote down a few key lines and then it was just like, I kept, every line is a key line. It's like <laughs> highlighting in a book and you're highlighting everything and you, you know, the whole page is yellow. Um, Thank you very much for sharing that. I mean, not oh, only welcome. is that an incredible piece of music, um, I hear music first and then I hear lyrics. Glenn is the other way around. And so if the tune, you know, doesn't draw me mm -hmm. in kind of thing, it's like uh, whatever kind of thing. So just, you know, the music, I mean, I kind of, it's, it's, it's one of those, like it's, you can feel through through the notes and the, and the melodies and the harmonies that there's there's gravitas to it that there is something you know intense and powerful and heavy but it's also rocking enough that you kind of want to move to it as well but mm -hmm. it's like oh but the but the subject matter is is kind of heavy so you know is it okay for me to kind of like you know be playful and 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 you know appreciate the 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 music in that way but you know even though I know that this this was about a very specific thing, um, you know, that a personal experience for you. All of those lines in there, everything that you're saying about shedding your skin, about you know going down to the blood and bone, about releasing demons, about that line. I heard it again today, you know, and I remember hearing it when you belted it out, you know, in church a few years ago when you sang mm -hmm. it for us, you know, like too fat to be seen. It just, there's so much in there for pretty much anyone to relate to, you know, even if this, you know, being sexually abused is not the experience that they may have had themselves, you know, but, but to, to be, to feel that you aren't worthy of showing up, you know, as your authentic self, that you have to hide in some way that you have to live up to other people's expectations or, or whatever it is to feel this unleashment of authenticity and and of truth and to really accept who and what you are to like dig into like all that blood and guts and you know through the mm -hmm. muck and and whatever is is so powerful and so relevant i think for so many people and so i think for you know I don't know how anyone could could hear that song and not be moved and not not have something moved in them i think uh I think most people have an experience. You know, yeah. most people have not had a life without adversity. Mm -hmm. And so when I was talking to the judges on the show and I said, well, it has been in my experience that, um, you know, I would look at a television show like, like American Idol and say, well, I couldn't be on that show. I'm too fat. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't ever accept me. And, uh, and I said, but I, that's obviously not the truth anymore. Cause I'm not at home watching this. I'm here. Mm 
yeah doing it and that's when Nikki Six said well you should write that song and I, I thought well I'll give it a shot yeah. and so um but the first few lines like it's like we're not easing into anything mm-hmm. you're being tossed in mm-hmm. I was a little girl ripped in two because of something no grown man should ever do mm-hmm. it, you're you're being tossed in here's where we are yeah and you know some people shut down some people will giggle you know because it's like it's uncomfortable it's uncomfortable to have somebody tell you a deep secret like that yeah. that shouldn't be secret you know how what is it 40 percent of people have had 50 percent of people have had an experience of abuse of some sort in their childhood mm-hmm. we shouldn't be quiet about it mm-hmm. and then um you know and then the next line explains how I got from there to where I am. I built a wall pound by pound. Mm-hmm. You know, if I built that wall, then I'm not going to be attractive to whoever it is that might find me easy prey. Yeah. Cause I'm not, I'm not attractive anymore. You know, like you, I was, I was lost and you've never, that little girl's never been seen before. There's the whole truth, nothing but the truth in, in eight lines. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was hard to write. I sat and cried after that. I sat there and going, wow, that is really concise way of saying, here's where I got, how I got where I am. Yeah. And it was a hard truth for me to face. Mm-hmm. Well, let's move on, right? Like, I'm going to shed that. I'm going to shed that skin. Maybe I haven't shed those pounds, but I'm going to shed that skin. I'm going to shed yeah. that belief that I don't deserve. You know, I'm going to free myself from those lies. Because, okay, maybe I didn't tell myself the lies. Maybe I didn't plant that seed, but I've been tending the garden yeah, all this time. Yeah. So those, those lies have chained me to the belief that I, I am not enough, that I don't matter. Yeah. And so writing this song was a really healing thing. And I'm not saying that I still don't struggle with those beliefs, with these beliefs. It's a lifelong thing that I have been, my garden is tended. It is grown it is immaculate mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like this garden of shit sorry <laughs> you can beep that out right <laughs> need some of that in the garden i think yes <laughs> this the garden of manure beliefs that i have been tending all these years is very is it's a strong garden i've got a cre- and i'm creating new pathways i'm creating a you know a beautiful labyrinth in my garden that I that can take me away from those beliefs but those beliefs will still kind of creep in little weeds will creep into what I'm building Mm -hmm. and you know so it's not that it's not something that I don't struggle with anymore I certainly do but I bring myself back wait the stepping off point is divine divinity is where I'm starting from you know so I find myself mired in those old beliefs and I bring myself back Mm-hmm. And you know it's a slow process for me. I've quick learn. You know, I I re-experience and re-experience. Yeah, um, there there are a few things that come to mind for me there as as you're talking, Amy. Um, one is that, and you've you've said it several times already today. Is is um, that and I'm going to use the word grace here, grace can look different, it, it, you know, at depending on where you are, you know, sort of what you're experiencing, your level of consciousness. Grace isn't always about, you know, easy breezy lemon squeezy, you know, grace can look tough, it can look painful, it can, it yeah. can feel, it can feel raw and, and, and horrific. 
yet it's it's that forward moving momentum it is part of the process it is part of that you know the tending of the garden you know the part one of the other things and i'm forgetting where i just read this but Oh, I know in, in Creativity Inc. where there's there's some big tree um, that is growing in the middle of your garden or in the middle of your yard that is obliterating everything. And it's like, you know, the elephant in the room kind of thing. And so you go and you finally one day after whatever it is that you've been doing, you chop down that tree and the tree is gone. Like there's all of a sudden all of this spray, space and room to breathe and extra sunshine and everything. But while that tree was there, all of these little seedlings fell, you know, these runners may be coming up from, you know, the roots in the ground. And even though you may have, you know, gotten rid of like the big, 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 significant, you know, belief, problem, thought, whatever, there's all of these other little saplings that are making their way up. And unless you tend to those as well, well, at some point, not only are you going to have like one big tree in the middle of your yard or your garden, you're going to have a, you know, a a total forest. Wow. I, that is (laughs) honestly it is because you've taken care of the tree yeah and so little saplings if you tend to them maybe you have to tend to them more often than you'd have to tend to the big tree once yeah but it's like yeah no and you get rid of it oh there's another one yeah no (laughs) yeah i love that yeah i love that because it's sort of oh no the tree is back is it's daunting. Yeah. How often am I going to deal with this great big oak in my yard? Yeah. Well, no, you're dealing with the little the little sapling. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I yeah. love oh, that. Right you changed on. my yeah. life. Yeah. No, I really, I, I thought that was so, so just such a good metaphor and, or analogy, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, and here here for me, it's, it's sort of almost like the blackberries. Um, you know, I don't know what they're, they're like in Alberta, but here blackberries are an invasive species. You know, when we moved from Toronto, it's like, oh yay, blackberries are growing everywhere. It's fantastic. But they, they are aggressive. They are invasive as delicious as they are. They're everywhere. And they, these branches, like they grow and they have these massive thorns on them. They stick into the ground and they come out of the ground. They send runners out. And so even when you chop down and mow down the ones you can see, there's all these other little ones that are continually coming up. And because the growing season out here is year long, there's no dormant period in the wintertime. So so it is sort of constant minding, constant tending, you know, continual awareness and yeah. mindfulness. And it is so much easier to pluck out a little runner that is still bendy and supple and smooth with no thorns than it is to like go and like get in there, you know, with like long gloves and clothes right. and hoodie, whatever, to like deal with these massive branches that are like fighting back and everything. So um, I love that analogy. It just sort of takes a lot of the pain away mm-hmm. from... Oh, I'm dealing with this again. Oh yeah, but it's just a little tiny. Yeah. Just pull it out, grab the root. You're good. Yeah. You know, and it, it, it sort of takes a lot of that. I love that. Im- I, I deal well with imagery. <laughs> and so I love that image of, yeah. oh no, like it's not a big tree. The tree doesn't have had time to grow. Yeah. Yeah. It's 47 year old thick trunk. Yeah. It's only, it's only this little thing. So you can deal with it now or allow it to continue to grow and allow it yeah. to continue to grow. 
I really thank you. That changed my world. And, 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 you know, and the other thing for me about those little saplings, you know, to me, that's just another reminder of something that I like to say, which is, which is one of my sort of <clears throat> spiritual realizations is that we are infinitely more powerful, creative and resilient than anything that could ever come up than anything that we could mm-hmm. ever experience than anything that could ever happen. Anyone could say, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, but that there is nothing, you know, no condition, no thought, no experience, no expectation, no one, no diagnosis, absolutely nothing that could ever diminish that infinitude that we are, that allness of being that we are, that infinite expanse of universe that we are, you know, not even these tiny saplings, you know, that are, you know, just like you said, take them out by the roots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's wonderful. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> um, Mahoney, what's what's going on in your uh, corner of the triangle? Well, okay. I'll drag us back into the darkness for a second. <laughs> Please. Um, so with that kind of cathartic experience of writing this song, in in and of itself, it is... It's an amazing, I mean, I have my own creative um, outlet through writing, but I don't do that much with it. So, but I get, I get the sort of the, the, um, the process you're describing. So what, so one of the key components for me of getting past things that I, that I'm stuck on is um, in terms of like getting past the um, acknowledging that there's resistance inside of me or if I'm getting upset about something that's in the news or whatever I have to I need certain tools to to overcome right so I know that gratitude is huge for me and forgiveness is sort of in my back pocket but it's important so for you not specifically in writing that song but like in general if you're going if you're going through something and you're it's coming out of you in a creative way is the, is forgiveness something that is 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 a a tool that you can use or is there something else that helps like or is it just the music and the and the flow of, of you know the muses um that process itself is that what gets you through or is there something else that you, as you said, you know, acknowledging the divine brings you back that knowing that um, this is where I'm coming from. This is who I am. Mm-hmm. But is there something else that, that, that helps you with that, with that process? If you're, if you're, if you're like working through something, breaking through a wall, breaking through into a new version of yourself and growing, you know, you're going into that shadow kind of place. Mm-hmm. but you still have to kind of dispel the shadow in some way. So is, is forgiveness or is something else part of that for you? I think, uh, well, let's, let's look at this song. Forgiveness is all over this song, you know? Uh, and, and I say that because if I'm holding on to anger, if I'm holding on to that, this hurt, I'm, I, I'm, I'm cutting off my creative flow. Mm-hmm. I, 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 you know, what happened in my past happened in my past. My bigger thing is, is, uh, 
So when it comes to forgiveness, if I want to be creative at all, I can't be holding on to you did this, you did that. Uh, poor me. I, I can't, um, I can write about it later, but I can't be, I can't write while I'm feeling that, uh, you know, if I'm in distress with somebody, uh, I won't be able to write a song about, about mm. anything with regard to that person or that experience until I've resolved it to some degree within myself. Um, I find that most of my music at this point, uh, is about worthiness. Uh, you know, that is my, my largest struggle is knowing that I matter, you know, um, and what I have to say has value. And so, and that's a continual thing. That's another, that's a, that's a thing that happens in my life where I'm, I'm pulling out the saplings on a regular basis with that one. And, um, and somehow I can write with that feeling, but I, when it comes to anger or any sort of, uh, ill feeling toward anyone else, I, 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 I need to resolve it in order to be able to tackle that in music. Does that answer the question? Yeah. But, and, and you are, but you, with the anger part, like you are feeling, you are allowing yourself to feel the anger. Like you're not skipping past it. You're, you're acknowledging that, Hey, that, if that if that makes me mad enough to feel I need to work through it with a song, then I need to feel the feelings, right? And you, For sure. You, yeah. But by the time that I'm writing the song, I've already felt the feelings. Okay. And now I'm reaching back and into how I felt in the moment. Right. So, I mean, I wrote this song what, four, four years ago, four or five years ago. I've dealt with those feelings, you know, of anger and... Uh, you know, the, because it's not just one feeling. There's not just one feeling. There's, there's the feeling of I'm angry that these people hurt me. I'm also angry that when I asked for help, I didn't receive it. And I'm also feeling, um, like I'm not really worth anything because when I asked for help, I didn't receive it and all these things. Now, do I still feel sad when I think of it? For sure. There's a little girl that could have used some help, but I'm not, I don't attach those feelings to the perpetrator of the, uh, the you know, the, I, I don't attach the feelings to the abuser or to my folks who maybe didn't handle it the way I thought they should, or, you know, I, and I don't know, maybe that's, maybe that's a beautiful tapestry hiding a messy bookshelf you know, but I feel like I've gone through those emotions and I've, and I felt my anger. And, and by the time I get to writing the song about any particular, uh, thing, I've worked through the feelings to some degree. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm not sure if I'm answering it properly I mean, or even if I know how to answer it properly. And to me then the creation of the music and the song is like, you are you are mining a, a diamond you're like you're 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 creating evidence for yourself and for others of your worthiness you know like i know like this whole idea of i'm not worthy or i'm i'm inadequate is a theme that runs through the lives of many people i've on and off i feel that mm -hmm. my earlier years definitely i was there all the time um 
so when we are able to create like in the moment and you have like you you have a tangible shareable um expression of your infinite worthiness because you, you sort of seen the um the background and the dark and you make you let the light shine into this particular song you know and people can relate and people can translate that or interpret it but into their own experience while still acknowledging that you know your own your own um evident worth is 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 a beautiful thing right and then they hopefully that reflects back to them mm -hmm. they can they can get their own they can as Lassie was saying about resonance they can get onto that frequency as well you know so that's that's hugely important i think mm. so thank you <laughs> you know when i do write it it is healing as well to be able to say the words out loud mm. and to be able to say them and and feel where they came from you know uh and so yeah it's it, I'm gonna to have to give some more thought to to your question because it is it, it, I have never thought of it of whether or not I'm feeling that anger while I'm writing about the anger. I I, I feel like when I'm writing about the anger, I'm remembering feeling it. Mm -hmm. What what's coming up for me as you guys are talking about this is um is is being heard and giving voice to something that has been buried um, for a long time because of something that happened, because of something that we experienced. And and how, how I know for me with this book that I'm writing, um, I mean, spiritual practitioner studies, those two super intensive years of, of study and, and practice, especially year one, which was just, kind of where where the idea of soul excavation really really came to mind for me about just digging through layer after layer after layer and just when you think that like okay I'm there oh wait there's more and it's muckier and it's darker and it's gooier and it's mm -hmm. you know, it just um but that ultimately you know at 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 the very center at the very core of it all is you know the thing that is there all the time is the truth of who you are is this incredible beauty this this power this creativity this resilience that that is always almost kind of it's not even like fighting its way it's just like finding whatever you know little sort of like hole or fissure or or stream or or ray or whatever to like you know make itself known and how when we allow ourselves the opportunity whether it's to you know sit down and write music whether it's to write a book whether it's to have a conversation with someone get up in front of a crowd of people and speak um whether it's to sit quietly with yourself you know without any devices and just like be with yourself how we we allow for the opportunity to to be heard and to be seen and and to you know 
know that we are worthy, that we are valued, that we are important, um, that we are that, you know, beautiful, pure perfection that you were talking about at the beginning of the conversation, no matter what has gone on, no matter what we might be experiencing in that moment. Um, and to me, it just, I mean, it's taken the better part of my life, you know, to sort of get, get, feel strong enough to go, this doesn't work for me anymore. <laughs> you know, like for 40 years, I, I felt like this and, and I still, you know, have, have voices in my head. The voice is mine, you know, like maybe someone planted, you know, a, a certain phrase in there a long time ago, but the voice that's been repeating that phrase, it's my own. Right. And, um, and so to, you know, to really sort of hear that voice, hear that phrase, hear what's being said, and, and to acknowledge it in whatever way, you know, comes up, and then to go, that's not my reality anymore. That's that, you know, like, thank you. I'm moving over this way now. Yeah. That is, that is such an incredible experience. And, and something I feel like, I mean, you're a parent, and we have Milana, that, you know, as a parent, I know for me, I want Milana to, to grow up, you know, and she is like, I look at her now, she's 16, almost 17. She is so much stronger than I was at that age. She is mm -hmm. so, she knows who she is. She is a power to be reckoned with. She is also now a songwriter and she's about to release her very first single. Uh -huh. And it's just incredible watching her you know, grow and, and sort of being witness to it and, and wanting her to not experience pain or hurt or whatever, but also knowing that her journey is hers to, to have and, mm -hmm. and, you know, to go through. So just as parents to kind of like be, be on the sidelines and cheer her on and, and know for her and that kind of thing, but not to really interfere. Yeah. And, and she is so much more ahead so much more ahead, you know, of, of where I was at that age. And it is so extraordinary to, to just watch and go, wow, like we get to be her parents. <laughs> I know that feeling my children blow me away all the time because when they're experiencing something, I'm seeing it through the filter of my experience mm -hmm. and oh, this is happening and that's happening. And this is happening. Oh my gosh. Cause when I was a kid, yeah. that was dangerous. Or when I was a kid, that could lead, you know, the judgment of other people. I came out of the closet when I was in grade 12 and I didn't finish grade 12 because mm, it was just okay. so difficult. And, uh, so my, uh, my children are, are wonderful, but they're different than other yeah. kids. And especially my youngest and I, I'd, I'd watch her go to school and I'm like, are you experiencing troubles at school? Really? Because when I was a kid, I'd be thinking, I'm thinking this, when I was a kid, if I was doing what, what she's doing, yeah. I would have been experiencing trouble yeah. in school, you know, with other kids. Nope. It's good. <laughs> la, la. It's just a different world. Yeah. Now there's different things like cyberbullying that I don't yeah. quite understand. And <clears throat> my children haven't experienced that because they're really not interested in social media yet. So thank goodness. Ooh. But, uh, you know, so I don't know how to deal with that, but when some sort of bullying isn't happening at school that would have happened to me when I was a child. I'm like, the world is making is changing. Yeah. And it's a, it's a different world than it was when I was in, in that position. And I'm, I'm so grateful 
you know, we're, we're building a better world and our children's children's world will be that much different. Yeah. I, and, and, you know, like what, what I do want to add though, is that, you know, if I subscribe to the idea that children choose their parents, which is something that I really didn't until Glenn came along and I'm like, what? That's crazy. You know, like, what the heck are you talking about? But then at some point, eventually I sort of, you know, it made sense to me. Then I chose mine, you know, just like Milana chose us, I chose mine and I, we're always choosing, you know, like go, go, you know, quantum infinite waves of possibility. We're always choosing what we choose becomes our reality. Boom. So, so if I, chose my parents, I chose, you know, to have that experience, to have those relationships, to grow up in that home, to be part of that family dynamic. And, and I may or may not have been the parent that I am today, if not for the experiences, Mm -hmm. you know, that I had and that I went through. So for all of that, no matter how hard, no matter how painful, you know, some of that is, is going into my book for that. I am eternally grateful because I now see it as part of, part of who I am, you know, and it's not that everyone has to go through crap. Everyone has to hit rock bottom. Everyone has to go through, you know, adversity to, to, you know, come out the other side and realize, oh my gosh, I'm so much more powerful than any of it. I don't know if that has to happen. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I, that wasn't my experience, but I guess, you know, like in raising Milana, it's, it's just, we haven't, we've really endeavored to not interfere and not shield her and not, not prevent her from making mistakes that are hers to make and experiencing pain and loss and grief and that kind of stuff. Um, But I also feel like, you know, she doesn't have to spiral into a pit of despair just so that she can learn and realize, you know, who she truly is. So I, I went through this process, uh, I don't know what, 10 years ago. And I learned through this, it was like a six or seven days isolated from the world. Um, where I dealt with a lot of anger, (laughs) I hit a pillow with the baseball bat quite a lot, Mm -hmm. but, uh, it was, it was very interesting process. But one of the things I learned was that my parents did the best they could with the tools they were given. Yes. And I'm doing the best I can with the tools I'm given. And I'm sure my children will learn that I did the best I could, even though I'm probably doing things that they'll look back later and say, well, I'll never do that with my kids. Yeah. You know, I remember my mom, when she was a kid, she had a page boy haircut. She wanted long hair, but her mother didn't want to deal with long hair. So she wasn't allowed to have long hair until she turned 15 or something. Mm. And, uh, as a result, when I was born, I was never allowed to cut my hair. Mm. I never was allowed to cut my hair. I would have long hair until I was, I was 13 when I was allowed to cut my hair. And I went from Crystal Gale to Elvis Presley in a a matter of 45 minutes. (laughs) And, uh, and so I, I vowed I would never make my children have whatever haircut I wanted them to have. Yeah. So now they get to choose what haircut they want. You know, and maybe when they have kids, they'll be like, I'm going to give my children a little more direction when it comes to haircuts. Yeah. I look back at my <laughs> pictures and I don't like it. You know, like we all kind of think well, what I'm doing is better than yeah. what my parents did. It's just different. Yeah. You know, maybe I should make my children have long hair. Maybe that's the better thing for them. I'm only going off of my experience. Yeah. You know, so it's a, 
we we do our best we do our best and as long as we can say that then we're then we're succeeding yeah you know i think you know because i look at what my parents toolbox must have been filled with and there was a lot of manure in that toolbox Mm -hmm. you know so and oh my goodness that means their parents Mm -hmm. did the best with the tools they were given and so like at least our tools are evolving yeah you know and so maybe when i hand my toolbox off to my kids they might have more than one or two things in there they'll use yeah, you know, I'm is if just <clears throat> sort of going on with that analogy. I don't think Milana's taking my toolbox at all. I think she's like, you know, f you in your toolbox. I got my own going on. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it just and she she at you know I can I think that since she's been a little girl, she's known she wants to be a parent. Like she just, she's known that she's going to be a mom someday. And I think the last number she said was four. She's having four kids. And I remember. I have three, so I don't know why I'm shocked. (gasps) Four? It took me until she was about seven years. Well, okay. First of all, it took ages. It wasn't until Glenn came along that I even, no, that's not true. Because I thought before Glenn came along, there was a period where I'm like, I don't need a man. I can be a single parent. I'm just going to go to like a sperm bank and, you know, get some sperm and have a baby. I'm just, I'm just going to be a mom. And then as far as having children with someone, it wasn't until Glenn came along that I thought I would like to be a parent with Glenn. And, and then Milana came along and she was totally planned for, and we were so excited and everything and, and just had all these, you know, dreams and ideas and blah, blah, blah. And then she came along and even Glenn, who'd already had two kids who were, you know, basically grown teenagers at the time, Kate was 20. She completely flipped our world upside down and inside out, even for him, you know, a seasoned parent. And it was like, I don't know why anyone would ever have more than one. <laughs> and it took seven Meanwhile, Glenn, you've got three now. <laughs> It took seven years, you know, to sort of even entertain the idea of having another child. But by then, Glenn is like, I'm done. Forget it. And I had a business and things weren't, you know, super, super great with the business. And so there was a lot of energy and focus that was being put on the business, which Mm -hmm. for me was my first baby, you know, non-human baby, but that was my first baby. So, um, I can't remember where, uh, where, what the beginning of this was. So I'm just going to stop there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, uh, my children go on. I think my, my, my children, like, do you think you want to have kids one day? Yeah, maybe, you know, uh, I don't know. Maybe there'll be a grandbaby in the future. I, I don't know. It's not up to me. Yeah. And, uh, that's okay. You know, there's lots of love in the world and, uh, you know, whether they give me grandbabies or not. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. There you was know, a my, face there. Yeah. My, yes, yeah, just put a little grumpy face. Mm. <laughs> um, my eldest is 16. He just turned 16. And uh, he just, he's more about what's happening today. Yeah. You know, what's happening today. Um, and I love that about him. You know, do you think you want a kids? Maybe. Think you want to go for a drive? Maybe. You know, he just, he's just there for the experience. He, he loves music. He loves music. Yeah. It's beautiful. Um, and he's good. He, he has an aptitude for anything. He plays the piano beautifully. He plays the saxophone really, really well. 
he started picking up my bass guitar and playing Pink Floyd tunes on it. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so as for his birthday, I got him his own bass guitar. And then he started taking my electric guitar off the wall and playing lead lines. I'm like, wow, like this kid, it just doesn't matter what, what instrument you put in front of him, he will play it. Yeah. And so I think for him, I just, you know, like just watching him be excited about music. I hope he takes that into the rest of his life. Yeah. Just whatever it is that's put in front of him. What can I do with this? What can yeah. I, what can I create with this? It's beautiful to see. Um, my middle son, his name is Aaron and he is, uh, what is he? He's 13 and he's funny and he's a drummer and a pretty darn good singer. And, uh, but mostly he just wants to play video games and be goofy. So, you know, uh, and I just, you know, as long as he keeps that attitude, I, I want him to stay happy, you know, like I want my kids to be happy. Avery is my daughter. She's 11 and, uh, she's kind of very thinky. Mm-hmm. She's always got something, a thought brewing. And it's really interesting to hear her thought process. And, uh, and so and she plays the guitar. Mm-hmm. I've built my own band, so yeah, clearly. <laughs> yeah, now I just got to teach bacon and waffles how to play the tambourine, and we'll be good to go. <laughs> so, do you guys play together? No, no, no. I have baggage, and so when I was a kid, my brother played the piano, and uh, my younger brother and I would sing along. I didn't play the guitar yet, but uh, we would sing. He, he, my my parents would buy music books, mostly musical theater stuff. But sometimes, you know, we'll have a little pop music or whatever, and we'd, we'd, we'd sit and play together. And then it became a, a thing where we had to play together in order mm-hmm. to be, uh, in order for our parents to, well, this is how we felt. This is not how my parents felt. But it felt like if we didn't do that, then we weren't pleasing them. Mm-hmm. And so they'd invite friends over to have a party and, and socialize, and they'd say, sing a song for us and we knew it wasn't just going to be one song we knew it would be an hour or more Mm -hmm. of us singing songs until we got so desperate to not sing songs anymore that we got angry and left Mm -hmm. and so when my kids play i just let them play yeah i don't force them to do anything for me i i want them to play because they want to play and it's funny because for my for mother's day they the three of them practiced and learned how to play Imagine by John Lennon mm-hmm. together. So Gibson played the piano, Aaron played the drums, Avery played the guitar, and Aaron and Gibson shared the singing. And it's the best gift I've ever had in my whole life. Oh. Like these three beautiful children playing a song for me. And they called me down to the, to the, to the room down in the basement and I left my phone upstairs and I just sat and listened. And I, at the beginning of it, thought, oh, I wish I had my phone. I'd record this. And then I I immediately thought, not everything needs to be a Kodak moment. You Mm -hmm. can just remember this. Yeah. And and so I listened and I cried. And my children were crying at the end, too, because they they saw how much it meant to me. Yeah. And uh, they said, I said, oh, I wish I would have recorded that. And so they agreed to do it again for me another day. Yeah. And it took me a week and a half to ask them to do it because of that baggage I have. And they did do it. And I recorded it. And my father was like, I want them to do it for me. And I said, no, Mm -hmm. that was for me. (laughs) 
(laughs) because of my baggage. It's all about my kids probably would be thrilled to do it for grandpa. Yeah. But I didn't want them to have to get, I didn't want them to have to. Yeah. So, because music shouldn't be an I have to thing. Expressing art shouldn't be an I have to. It should always be an I want to. Yeah. That's my experience anyway. You know, if I feel like I have to do something, then, oh, I don't enjoy it at all. And I don't feel like I'm being artful. You know, if, uh, if I'm, if I'm being asked to do a song that I hate singing, um, and I feel like I've been guilted into it, not only will I dislike that song, but I will dislike any time I hear myself perform it. It's a strange thing. I have to want to do it in order for it to actually be, um, an experience, a good experience for me. I can, I can relate to that. That is amazing. I really like that, Amy. Thank you. Expressing art shouldn't be an I have to, but an I want to. It, it just reminds me of my experience with playing the piano growing up and mm-hmm. how it was this sort of, you know, love, hate, I want to, I have to, because if I'd had my druthers, then I would have at some point been able to move into blues and jazz piano and play with other people and not continually be sort of trained and and learn as as a concert pianist, as a solo pianist, playing classical music all the time. Um, But I was also really good. And there was also an experience that, that I would just that I would have of, of especially if I was performing or, or at the Kiwanis Music Festival or something like that, where I'd be playing a piece that I really did love and I would just be so connected and so open and just so in tune with, you know, the divine, the allness of being just, just one, you know, in this incredible mm-hmm. experience. But can I put a little caveat on that? Mm -hmm. If you want to become good at your art, then there is a need to. Mm -hmm. You need to practice. Yes. If you're going to write, you need to practice. If you're going to play the piano, you need to practice as a speaker. You need to, but you shouldn't be forced to perform that, Mm -hmm. that performing your art. It should never be a a have to, it should Mm -hmm. be a need to. I need to perform in order to, like, that's a part of how I express love in the world. Mm-hmm. I need to perform. Yeah. But if it's, you, you have to come and sing the song because I feed you, I give you a bedroom <laughs> to live in, yeah. and you don't even show me your appreciation by singing me a song. Yeah. You know, that's an I have to do it. Yeah. And then it, there, then it attaches these negative feelings to the way that I express love the most clearly in the world, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, the, so I guess that's where I like, I, my children need to practice. Yeah. They need to enjoy what they're doing and maybe they're not enjoying the practicing, but if they're going to become better at what they're doing, they need to do it. Yeah. But they don't have to become a performing monkey for me. Yeah. You can, you can want to play a song for me but you should never have to play a song for me. Yeah. That's where the caveat is. You, there are things you need to do to be able to experience what you were saying about that one particular song when you were playing it, all of a sudden you were just filled. That only happened because you needed to practice. Mm-hmm. It only happened because you, you wanted to yeah. experience that. But if you have to do it, then it becomes a, 
it becomes an obligation. Yeah. And if you're expressing your art, if I'm expressing music, I should never feel obligated to do it. I should feel this desire to want to do it and need to do it. Yeah. And I shouldn't have to do it. Yeah. And so I think for me, when I was talking, it was almost sort of more like the haircut thing, you know, like for my parents, it was classical music all the way. And so that was, you know, that was the road kind of that, you know, I was, I was nudged, pushed and, you know, just moved along. Whereas it's like, this is only one kind of music. There's like so much other stuff out there. And the thing that really just felt like it, it was so, you know, curious and interesting and different was jazz which was just so free and so like it just i mean completely different scales and chord progressions and and voicing what that well, takes all the rules that you've been learning for classical music and says well if you wanna <laughs> <laughs> yeah so 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 there was you know like i you know i want to do well i want to do this definitely practicing you know love winning the awards and performing in front of people however it would be so amazing to be able to experience, you know, music in, in this way, in a different way, but that was not, it was, this is the way it's going. We're paying for the lessons. You know, this is the track you're on. This is what you're being groomed for. And, and that was it kind of thing. So that, that's mm -hmm. what it was for me. Like my experience of, you know, I have to versus, you know, I want to, even though there was, you know, and I want to, because music really, it did mm -hmm. just nurture yeah. my soul. In such I want to do way. this, but I also want to do that. Yeah. Yes. And the fact that I'm only allowed to do this upsets me. Yeah. Yeah. I get that totally. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, are you, you look like maybe you're like getting ready. Oh, because there's a guitar in my lap. I'm always sort of adjusting. <laughs> oh, I'll do this with the hands. <laughs> we're good okay so what uh what 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 might be bubbling up now um, the capo uh... is going on the guitar folks oh. if, you're, if you're wondering what's happening now this song usually has an f word in it i'll edit it out okay so if you're listening and you hear the word messed it's something else <laughs> All right, this is a song I wrote with my friend, Lisa. And it's one of those songs that uh, I was like, well, this is not a song that I'm gonna perform. I'm writing this because I need to. <laughs> not because I have to. <laughs> I'm writing this because I there's something in me that needs to say these words and, and uh, with no expectation of performing this song. But. Within 
dressed up beautiful girl The laughter, the weeping The stillness and the storm I'm perfect and broken Learning to bend with the wind And not let the wind knock me down Determined to stand in the wildest squall Hands in the heavens, feet on the ground Cause I barely tapped into my strength It's been locked up in anger and strife but I am beauty and beast, I am famine and feast, and the love I've been searching for all of my life, oh, I'm perfect and broken the sand within the pearl, hopeful and hopeless, and messed up beautiful girl. The laughter, the weeping, stillness and the storm, I'm perfect and broken. Wow, I had to hear the line a few times before I actually heard uh, broken and perfect or perfect and broken, the sand within the pearl. I love that. That's a that's such a yes and song, you know? It uh, just like I I'm mm. kind of feeling very emotional right now. <laughs> well, that's good. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. That was a tough one to write. But you know, the um the chorus, the sand within the pearl, I was like, what a, what a perfect description of perfect and broken. Yeah. Cause that piece of sand is, is what irritates the oyster enough to yeah. create that beauty. Yeah. So both together, like there's the perfection and, and the sand and just like, it creates something else that's perfect. You know, it's, uh, I love that song. And it, it was, um, it was strange cause I was feeling a lot of feelings and I, I, uh, I've never been, I had never been at that point very open to feeling my feelings. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, I like to eat my feelings. It's, mm. uh, you know, they taste a lot like Doritos. So, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, when I was feeling my feelings and what I realized is like, it's not one feeling. You don't feel one feeling mm-hmm. because there's this, there's this stock pot full of all of the feelings and maybe one bubbles to the top in that moment and you're feeling happy. Like there are moments that I am feeling so joyful and sad at the same time. Mm-hmm. There's so much beauty. You know, my children were singing me a song and I was so full of joy and so full of pride and so full of just love. And I was sad too, because they're growing up, mm-hmm. you know, like there's all this stuff and that's okay. And I was, I was like, I am a psycho a little bit because here I am. I can't decide if I'm happy or sad. Yeah. It's okay to be both. Yeah. It's okay to feel perfect and broken at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, like we all come, we are all of perfection and our true selves is perfection. That divinity we started talking about at the beginning, we're all those things. And we're also here to experience life. Mm-hmm. And part of that experience is this brokenness, this, this, you know, like how, how do we find our way back to perfection? Mm-hmm. How do we remind ourselves about that perfection by experiencing maybe the broken, we experience that broken and we experience the perfection and we, we tie them together and it's all perfect experience in the end, but in the moment it does, it hurts. Well, perfection shouldn't hurt, but it does, you know, like it's all this stuff. It's all this stuff. And so I just, I love the idea of like, both of those things can be true. Mm -hmm. I can feel like I can feel, uh, hopeful and hopeless at the same time. There is a line in the quantum revelation by Paul Levy, which was in the two, one of the two chapters that we discussed on Thursday. And I'm just going to try and remember it. The sign of a true artist is the ability to hold, uh, hold opposed two completely two opposing viewpoints at the same time. Mm. And that's what this is reminding me of Um, that, that, Yes. And, you know, you can feel perfect and broken at the same time. And even what you just said, like in the feeling of that, even though maybe sort of, you know, the connotation of perfect, it may not feel all hunky dory, you know, and smooth and sunshine and rainbows in the moment, even in that feeling that experiencing that that's perfection in and of itself. Okay. Who's this one? This is Waffles. Waffles. (laughs) This is Waffles. Waffles has climbed up onto Amy and is like, hey, I'm here. (laughs) You've been talking to your computer for a really long time, lady. Love me, love me. Let's go. (laughs) She's so cute. And Bacon is at the back window. (laughs) So she's coming over to tell me, Bacon's wanting to go outside. And I'm here to say he can wait. (laughs) All right. Well, well okay so it sounds like maybe you know like it's time it's time to you know give a little attention and love to to Mm -hmm. your furry family there so so i just um thank you i mean there's 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 so much that i'm feeling right now and thank you for Mm -hmm. singing that song you know i thought there was going to be like a pretty more upbeat one but that song and is it called finish off with a night with an upbeat one yeah it's called perfect and broken perfect and broken it's the title track from my new cd that'll be coming out this year (gasps) so 
and there's lots of uh i wrote a song called inside a box which is on there which is just sort of about accepting that you maybe know won't ever fit in yeah you know um and i when i talk about that song i feel like you know this is how i always describe it is that the world is filled with people and all those people are waffles and i always (laughs) felt like a pancake Ah, so right. waffles and pancakes, you can take the same Bisquick mix yep. and make a pancake. Yeah. And you can take that same mix and make a waffle. They're mm-hmm. made out of the same things, mm-hmm. but I feel like a pancake. Mm-hmm. Like I'm different than everybody else. The world is full of pancakes. We just, you know, the world is full of pancakes. However, in my life, I always experience my life as a pancake. I'm on yeah. the outskirts. Everybody likes a pancake. It's just not as fancy as a waffle doesn't take as much effort as a waffle. So like, I'd be pressing little squares into myself, trying to become a better, just maybe be a pancake for like less, you know, maybe be a a waffle for a day. Yeah. You know, and what I realized is I am a pancake. I am a nice round pointy haired pancake and I'm pretty cool. And, uh, (laughs) and that the world isn't complete without my pancakeness. Uh huh. You know, every one of us is a different shape or different size. And we try so hard to align and, and become this little cutout of, you know, how do I express myself the way that person expresses themselves so that I can be accepted in the world that the way that that person is accepted in the world. Yeah. But if I press little squares into myself, I won't fit into the little part of the universe that I'm supposed to fit into. Mm-hmm. You know, like if nothing ever leaves and nothing new ever arrives, mm-hmm. then I'm exactly what I'm supposed to be to fit into this, this life and this world and this universe. The universe isn't complete without me. So yeah. if I cut myself into a, into a waffle, I, I'm not, I'm not existing in the way that I'm meant to harmoniously in the, in, in the fabric of life. And uh, all that to say that that's what that song's about. <laughs> But I will, why don't I finish off on a, on a happy peppy song for you? Okay. All right. All right. Let me make sure I'm still in tune. Cause I didn't feel like I was in tune last song. It's probably my G string. <laughs> you can describe that. I just winked at the camera. <laughs> I think you just did that for us. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> I'm just trying to give you something to do. I'm sorry. You know, being helpful team player. <laughs> How very pancake of you. <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> You're going to think of that analogy in the world. You no, know? you know what? I love that because I have always considered myself more of a waffle. So uh, this is, you know. And other people are pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it j- just, I mean, the whole notion of you can take the same batter and you can make this or you can make this. But my world was filled with pancakes. And I'm like, but I like, how about the waffle? Like, come on, like bring on the waffle kind of thing. And so yeah. I've, I've, I've. I embrace. Oh, see, you having a whole different. And see, I was like, "Ah, pancakes are lame. (laughs) I just want to be a wow. Whatever. Maybe I'll be a crepe into my next life. We'll see. All my songs have something to do with breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) I'm just saying. Could be a. I could be a biscuit. (laughs) 
scone. Oh, a scone. Fancy. <laughs> fancy biscuit. I'm not that fancy. I don't want to be that fancy. I'll just I'll just stay being a pancake. We're good. All right. This is a song that I wrote with my friend Lisa Jacobs. She plays bass in my band and she's an incredible songwriter. And here we go. My voice it soars, but will I speak up? My eyes do see, but will I look? These boots do walk, but will they show up? Gotta give up my people, please, and wait, shed the lies of yesterday. Yeah. These hands are strong, but will they break through? The swelling walls of doubt and shame. My heart's been drenched in brick and mortar. But I brought the wall into the world and I can tear it down. So watch out. Now I can hear the faintest whisper Rumbling, driving, thumping, riding But my soul ain't gotta sing Watch out, I am, I am Don't hide in I'm through stumbling around Wake up, wake up Time has come for me to know it Only love and speak and show it my secret dreams keep them locked inside of me or I can choose to live them out oh I can choose to live unstoppable I am I am whatever I say I am I'm through stumbling around wake up wake up time has come for me to Well, Amy Bishop, thank you so much for being on Who Do You Think You Are today. My and pleasure. Thanks just, for having just, me. just before we go, we are going to keep lightening things up with um, the next tiny segment, the super rapid fire question round, which Ooh. is a one minute segment, kind of like a game show, where Glenn is going to bombard you with questions <laughs> and you just answer right <laughs> off the top of your head. No thinking, just like you know, hand on the buzzer, just answer, answer, answer. All um, right. And then you will win a prize at the end of it. <laughs> Quickly as you can. So your brain doesn't have time to think. Yeah. Another, another form of like best meditation ever. Okay. Honey bunch. Are you ready? Yes, I am. All right. On your mark, get set, go. Your favorite city to visit. Oh, Sosua. Have you ever attended a pet funeral? No. 
Do you dance at weddings? Yes. And then which do you prefer, country music or heavy metal? Country music. Jewelry or hats? Hats. Kombucha or coffee? Coffee. Teaching or learning? Learning. Naps or massages? Massages. Seinfeld or Curb Your Enthusiasm? Seinfeld. Family night or date night? Family night. Showers or baths? Baths. Waterfalls or water slides? Waterfalls. Books or movies? Books. Creativity or imagination? Oh, they're hand in hand. 20th century or 21st century? 21st. Ding, 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 ding. 21st, okay. Okay, honey bunch, tell Amy you what know. she's won. Your is from my favorite book of aphorisms, Gary's Guide to the World's Greatest Aphorists by James Gary. So you get a very strange, enigmatic Spanish um, poet person called Ramon Gomez de la Serna, who just made these pithy little observations about life. So I thought some of them spoke to me for you. <laughs> It is easier to shear a sheep than undress a sleeping child. <laughs> a, a diamond is a piece of coal that realized its ambitions. You'll like this one. Fleas make a dog into a guitarist. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, there we go. Okay, got it. And... Um, the final one, when you open a nutshell, there's an ear inside. I thought, hmm, I think he's talking about walnuts. They look kind of like ears. They do look earish. Yeah. Eerie. Anyway, there you go. There's your strange aphorism. <laughs> Eerie as in like... Eerie like that. Theremin <laughs> action happening. That was right. All of a sudden, like Star Trek all over the place. <laughs> I was trying to be all spooky, like, well, Scrappy-Doo. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Thank, Thank you, you, Mahoney. So before we go, <laughs> Amy, if someone wanted to find out more about you, experience more of your joie de vivre, your music, your creativity, the awesomeness that you are, where would they go? Where would they find you? They could come and vacuum out my car. That. <laughs> Okay. That would be a good way to learn about me. <laughs> can they do or that you can go to amybishopmusic.com and okay. that's my website, which is going to be updated pretty soon. We're going, we're building a new one for the launch of the new CD. So, but go to amybishopmusic.com. You can find out some things on there. Um, there's no gigs on there because right now there's no gigs. Yeah. And then you can also find me on Facebook, Amy Bishop or Amy Bishop Music, whichever one you want and Instagram and all those things. Um, oh, and if you want to listen to music, you can find me on like iTunes, Amazon Music, uh, all of the digital media, so Spotify and all those things like that. Awesome. Amy Bishop. If you do Google Amy Bishop, you will find me, but I'm not the first one. There's also a murderer lady. Yeah. So if the hair is like this, that's me. I'm pointy, pointy hair, me. And alive. Al no, she's, she's alive still. Oh, is she? Oh, yeah. wait, she's the murderer. She wasn't the person murdered. 
No, she was uh, the murderer. Oh, okay. Yes. And she has a bowl cut or like one of these mushroom cut things. Mm -hmm. If you see a mushroom cut, that's not me. So. Run. Run away. Well, and especially if you see her in real life. (laughs) But if you see her online, look for the pointy-haired Amy Bishop versus the scary one in the orange jumpsuit. Well, there's maybe a couple pictures of me in an orange jumpsuit. So, you know, figure it out on your own. I'm going to stop talking now. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, on that, uh, I don't know, mixed note. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am so, so, so grateful. And so, yeah, just really thankful and grateful to our amazing guest today, Amy Bishop, to the three songs that she played for us. And just just making sure that when you mentioned Lisa for um, Perfect and Broken, was that also Lisa Jacobs? Yes, Lisa Jacobs okay. uh, wrote, co-wrote both of those songs. Okay, all right. So, uh, so yeah, so for the three tunes that we got to hear, the conscious conversation that we got to have and be immersed in, and just just the warmth that we've all been basking in and will continue to bask in for time to come. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And thank you, Honey Bunch, for once again, co-steering the ship for the uh, the game show round and for the prize that you always seem to find that somehow you know <laughs> resonates on some level with our special guest. And thank you to everyone who has watched or listened to another episode of Who Do You Think You Are? We are so grateful for your presence, for your time, for your engagement. And we are just so thankful that we continue to show up here every other other week, I guess it is, with another guest who inspires us to really think about how our thoughts, feelings, and beliefs create our reality. So my name is Lassia. I have been here with Glenn. Our special guest today has been musician Amy Bishop. Thank you so much to everyone who tuned in and tune in again soon for another brand spanking new episode of Who Do You Think You Are? Bye for now. Bye. This has been an episode of Who Do You Think You Are? An exploration into how our thoughts, beliefs, and feelings create our reality. My name is Lassia Kahoot, and I have been your host. My co-host has been Glenn Sheridan. We'd like to thank the following for helping make this podcast a reality. Today's special guest, Amy Bishop. Music, Vasco Lorenko, copyright 123rf.com. Background illustration, Sakmasterke, copyright 123rf.com. For more information on this podcast and Alasia Kahoot Soul Excavator, please visit www.lasiakahoot.com. If you like what you've heard, please like, subscribe, and or let us know by leaving a comment. Thanks for tuning in to Who Do You Think You Are?